So of the three reasons that many people, uh, okay, failure, fail might be the word, uh, at launching their own course when it's so popular now, what, what's the first one? What's the biggest one that you see sticks, gets people stuck? Well, the biggest by far is what we call the, if you build it, they will come fallacy. Right, and because it's not what it is. It's not what it is. You can build it. It doesn't mean they'll come. It does not mean they'll come. And the original line from Fields of Dreams is actually build it and he will come, which is a whole different teaching. That's right. Like a deer in the headlights or gum in your hair, what got you here will not get you there. Join us as business owners get unstuck in real time on the business building struggles we all share. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. And here's your host, Esty Rand. Welcome to the Business Breakthrough Podcast. I'm super excited to have Abe Crystal with me today. Abe, welcome to the show. Hey, very glad to be here. I'm very glad that you are here. And guys, I just learned something new about Abe when I looked at his bio that I did not know. Abe is not just the co-founder and CEO of Rizuku. Did I pronounce that right? Yeah. Yes. An easy to use online course platform for entrepreneurs, authors, coaches, and small businesses. And Rizuku has hosted more than 75,000 courses serving over half a million students around the world. Abe specializes in learning design and user experience research and has a PhD in human computer interaction. That was the new thing I learned. And he's an adjunct professor in the School of Education at UNC Chapel Hill, which is where he got his degree. And he teaches seminars on educational innovation. So we could talk about marketing and courses, but I actually want to talk a little bit about this, which I, I know I'm sure connects and how you went from, I don't even want to know that. I just want to know what does it mean human computer interaction? Like what does it mean to have a PhD in human computer interaction? <laughs> I want to know what that is. Yeah, I mean, the, the field of human computer interaction is small and, and somewhat uh, esoteric, but it, it's also had a big impact on the world in, in a lot of ways. You know, if you look back at the how technology has developed over the decades, it was really driven by, you know, engineers and, and brilliant scientists who came up with new innovations um, that could do things we could never do before. Um, but along the way, something was lost in the focus on building new technology and, and new features which was how can people actually use this technology to do the things they want to do? So, you know, a, a classic example would be, um, you know, a somewhat dated example now, but I think it, it will still resonate for a lot of people that, you know, back in the 80s and 90s, um, we didn't have Netflix. You couldn't just watch whatever <laughs> you wanted, whatever you wanted. Um, there were shows on TV at a specific time. And if you wanted to watch them later, you had to record them using a VCR. Yes. And, and I had a little TV with the VCR built in in the 90s. I just dated myself. And I was like the coolest human ever because I was even cooler because I could pre-program it to record stuff even when I wasn't home. And I could come right. home and then watch things that pre-recorded on my fat cassettes. <laughs> Which was, this was exactly what the engineers envisioned, right? And people who are very smart and systems oriented like you are like, this is great. I'll read the manual, you know, do all this the programming. Is great. And, and I'll fast forward through the commercials because I'm older than TiVo. Um, <laughs> but the, the running joke at the time was, 
why in millions of households around America, there's a VCR on the living room shelf that is just blinking 12 o'clock, yep. uh, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Yep. Why is this? Well, you know, one of the most basic capabilities of the VCR to tell time accurately and to be able to program <laughs> things based on that built-in clock, people couldn't even set the clock. It's because little to no attention was paid to how is an average person going to take user this out of the box, interface. understand how it works, and set it's the clock? So, That's that is so what true. today we now call user experience. Right. Um, and a, a lot of those things that go into making a good user experience today in a web app or a mobile app or you know any experience, they emerge from this, this academic field of human-computer interaction. That is so cool. I feel like that's human computer interaction 101. Why do VCRs <laughs> across the world blink 12 o'clock in the 90s? <laughs> exactly. I love that. So how do we go from there to building a course, an online course platform? Yeah, how do we get there? Uh, it was a perhaps not that long, but still relatively winding road. But I mean, it, it all started from my motivation was I, I was always interested in building things that people could actually use. And one of the things I got frustrated by doing academic research was, was okay, it was fun in the sense that there was a lot of space to come up with new ideas and used to explore new ideas without worrying if they were going to work as a business. But you would spend all your time like creating prototype systems and writing papers about things that like no one would actually use in the real world. Um, which got to be kind of, you know, frustrating after a while. <laughs> um, so, you know, after doing that for for a bit, I was like, I, I can't see myself continuing to just be a professor and continue to write papers. Um, so I, I tried just being a consultant, um, like helping companies, you know, make their websites better, make their internal applications better, uh, which is interesting. I got to work on lots of different types of, uh, you know, projects and products, um, but still it, it lacked that sense of like, focus and ownership. Like I'm working on one specific problem and trying to make this area, you know, better. Mm -hmm. um, so I always had that itch to, to build an actual, you know, product that I could be more deeply involved in. Um, the only problem was lacking an idea for what the product would actually do or a problem <laughs> to solve. Like I want to um, make something that people will use. Yes. Blank slate. Where, where to start? Where to start? What should right? I make? <laughs> <laughs> so that, you know, that, that left me kind of spinning my wheels for a while, but uh, fortunately, this is where my background in, in research actually came in handy because decided to just sort of explore random ideas. Mm -hmm. And instead of building something, you know, as an engineer might uh, by nature, I jumped into, hey, how can we research this, right? Mm -hmm. How can we interview people and, you know, try different types of research techniques to understand, was this something people would want or not, or what would be valuable uh, for them? And so, for example, I had some ideas around, different types of goal setting tools, basically, that would help people set and achieve personal goals um, and scheduled interviews with a bunch of people, you know, did exercises like paper prototyping where we'd show them, you know, mock-ups of, of directions this idea could take. Um, and it had like no traction, right? Like no one was interested. <laughs> in um, you know, which is the, all, was good to know, right? Because we hadn't, we hadn't built anything we hadn't invested any money in it really. It was just exploring an idea. But eventually that led us to, by asking people about you know, goals and so forth, we, we started getting introduced to like um, executive coaches. And we started you know, poking around online and we found like authors who wrote about personal growth and goal setting or bloggers who had a whole blog about productivity. And we started talking to those people instead of just to like individuals um, who might want to improve their goals. And these experts who wanted to 
you know, share their content and help other people, they actually had a lot of really, really interesting needs and problems. And that led us to this world of like, hey, how can we help experts, you know, create online programs or create online courses? Got it. Well, that's cool. So, and this is not to pick on you at all. This is like a curiosity and mm -hmm. like a, I guess, I'm asking you to market yourself, but not really, but there are a ton of platforms out there right now for coaches, consultants, authors to build and launch courses. And there's, you know, like the cart reverse where like it does a little bit of everything. Now they kind of all do a little bit of everything, which always annoys me because every program only does one thing really well. I have a data background also in addition to a marketing background and every, every system has to me, they're all structured kinds of like, you know, relational table databases, right? They do, they have one central thing. That's like the thing they do really well. And then they add on other stuff. It's like, oh, you want to do this here? You want to do this here? You want to do this? But, you know, we've got Kartra, which has like everything. And you've got, you know, an LMS world, learning management systems. You've got Teachable and Kajabi. And uh, there's one more that's like, like, these are like the, the mains. What makes Rizuku different? Why did you create this? when the other stuff was out there? What what was the thing you were looking to solve for, do different, do better than the other ones? Oh, well, interestingly, we, we actually, you know, came up with the idea, but essentially independently, um, and, and in fact had, you know, early versions of our product before even some of the, the products that are very successful today um, existed. So in some respects, the business lesson, you know, might be about the, the, importance of like being first is not enough. Right. right. Um, and, you know, we've seen this in other, uh, my space knows that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, it, I mean, it's not uncommon, right. You know, famous example is like, you know, MySpace had this incredible social network, um, very early on and yet they were just completely dominated by Facebook, yeah. um, over time. So like being first is, is not enough. Right. Um, so we can talk about that kind of business strategy piece if you want, but how long has Rizuka been around? Uh, so we launched out of a accelerator here in North Carolina in 2012. That was like our sort of public oh, wow. launch. Mm -hmm. Cool. Yeah. And it is early. But it, in terms of what we do differently today, um, like our approach is more what you describe in terms of the point solution. So rather than trying to provide like, hey, we'll handle all of your marketing and your website and everything you want to do. And then courses are one little piece of that. Right. Um, we focus just on um, courses and also learning communities within the course. So actually having discussion prompts and questions, engaging with your students, um, like the type of interaction that people might try to do through an external forum or a Facebook group or a separate community site, we integrate that directly into the course. So you can have that community and discussion with your students inside of the course itself. That's cool. Um, and is it on like each individual training or it's like within the course, there's like a, like a chat center? Uh, it's both, but what we encourage people to do and what I find is most effective is to create specific questions and prompts that are tied to individual learning activities in the course. So that could be having um, a video that's followed by a reflective question. It could be having uh, a worksheet and then asking people to share their key takeaways or what they learned from the worksheet. Um, or it could be posting a prompt like, you know, tell us a story about a time that you XYZ and asking people to respond to that. Um, or in a creative class, like we had a, a lot of artists who use Riziku, you might ask people to, okay, share share a photo of your latest painting, right? So we can comment Got on it. Well, that's really cool. I like that. Um, I had a question and now I forgot what it was. Hmm. Okay. I don't remember what it was. 
So I'll skip my question until it comes back. What, what should someone who's thinking of launching a course be aware of? And I'll, I'll put in here one of my opinions, which for every rule, there's an exception, but for every exception, there are rules. And my thought is always before you launch a course, work with individuals, right? Like you have an idea of a thing you want to teach and a process you want to take people through. Great. Why don't you try it out on some humans, see if it takes them through that process, refine it in that process. And then you want to turn it into a course or a group program. Amazing. And what I'm seeing and hearing today from my own students, my own program participants is that a lot of them are, they want to skip that step, right? They think that the group coaching model, right? It's more efficient for their time. They'll earn more money for their time and they want to go straight to the group models. Have you like, what's your opinion on this? Have you seen any pros and cons to both? like with your um, subscribers? I think both approaches can work if done thoughtfully and executed well. I mean, I 100% agree that there's great value to working with people one-on-one -on -one because that intensive connection allows you to understand their challenges and questions in a much deeper way. Mm -hmm. um, and that's really, really valuable. Um, a lot of times when I read books, I notice that the ones I find most like valuable and insightful are grounded in that type of um, deep client experience as opposed to just putting together a framework based on research and intellectual analysis. Right. I think it's different between research-based and experience-based knowledge, mm -hmm. which always, and I guess that that becomes a very um, subjective opinion. Like I remember meeting someone once years ago, I think I spoke about this on a different episode, who was writing all these articles on ADD and ADHD parenting. And I, we, we've got some of that in our, in our house. Um, and I remember like, you know, approaching her, I, I knew her personally. And I was like, you know, it's really cool. And if you don't want my ass, like, you don't have to tell me, but like, what's kind of your personal connection to this? She's like, oh, I don't have any, you know, I was just asked to write an article. So I did research and I wrote it. And I remember being like, I think appalled is like a good word. I was like, right. At that, and this is years ago, this is over a decade ago, um, maybe even more. And I remember just, you know, in my immaturity being like, how dare you write about something like, you know it because you yeah. read about it. Yeah. <laughs> how could you do that? Yeah. Um, but you know what? The articles were helpful and they were informative and they were insightful. And so why not? Right. And to each their own. But okay, I totally hear that. Yeah. I remember I my question. Starting with one on one yeah. client work is great. Mm -hmm. um, and, but alternatively, you can also, you know, do your research much in the way that, that I would do research for, you know, a human computer interaction project, right? Go out and interview, um, you know, the people who you would be looking to serve um, with your course to really understand what are their challenges, what are their needs, what would be bringing them. I like that. I mean, if you're you not going to work with individuals, mm -hmm. do a little research on mm -hmm. your target, speak to them. If you're working with people one-on-one, -on -one, that is your research. Yeah. And if you're not, then go out there and do that. I like that. I remembered my question, one of them at least. Um, yeah. In Rizuku, does it have white labeled video hosting? Like, is the video hosting built in? Do you host videos outside it? Does it have a customer support inside? And for all of you listening, I'm not asking Abe just to market himself. I am genuinely looking right now personally to transition to a new platform. So I'm doing my own market research live on the show and I'll, I'll explain why. Um, so I've been using for my backend, for my courses, ClickFunnels, which is great. And I have all my stuff integrated in it, but it's very basic and it's not an LMS. It's not a learning management 
management system. And with what we're launching over the next month or so, it is going to be much more interactive in the platform, building out the community, building out the, since the program is going to be self-paced, a lot more like community involvement within it. People can chat there and, and share there. And so I'm, I'm kind of just doing my own research and I've been looking a lot at moving to Kajabi more than anything else. And I know that they have kind of like a Wistia backend, which is what I've been using until now. So that's kind of where my question is coming from. Sure. So for video specifically, yeah, we handle all the hosting for you. You would just upload um, your video and we take it from there. It's all um, completely seamless. Is it your own backend or it's white yeah. labeled something else? Our own backend. Very cool. Okay. So sell me. Why, if I were, if I, I am shopping right now, I really <laughs> am. And again, sell everybody else at the same time. Why not? Um, why would I choose any of the platforms over another? Like what's kind of the, the industry comparison? Rizuku, Teachable, what? what's the other one that I keep forgetting? Is Teachable Kajabi? I think Epic is also pretty big. That's um, not the one that I know. I forgot. Okay, it doesn't matter. But <laughs> this world, why would someone choose one over any? And Kartra is still not on my list right now. Um, why would someone choose any one over the others? And Kartra, I like. So I'll tell you where I, I recommend Kartra to people. When they're starting and they're testing and they don't have anything else. And they just want to try this thing out. Right, they want to launch a personal brand with the course. Kartra is a great, like jack of all trades, master of none. Right, it'll do everything. It won't do any of it super amazingly well, but you could test the whole thing in there, and then you can like. So I'm like, let me use the best of everything, right? And I've got Active Campaign for the emails and Click Funnels for the funnels, and like each different tool in Wistia for the videos. Um, so what's kind of the industry comparison of all the different course platforms? I mean, I think we would probably need an hour long uh, <laughs> interview just to do that. I mean, I'll tell you, I, I, have, I have kind of a different way of looking at it. Like, rather than trying to look at all the products that are available and compare them, um, I generally encourage people to think about what's the learning experience you're trying to create for your clients, your participants. I like that. Um, and focus on like mapping that out and then identifying um, the tools you need to make that experience happen, which may or may not be just one single course platform, right? Um, you know, for what example, would be examples of learning experiences? I like this direction of thought. What would be an example? Like between what would be two or three different learning experiences? So one would be, let's well, say, there's, what I there's did multiple, before. there's multiple like, facets that you okay. would use to design. So the first is um, kind of the schedule and format, right? Are you running like a cohort based learning experience where you're taking, say, a group of 20 people, you know, through this um, more intensive experience together on a six-week schedule, and everybody's going to start together on November 1st. Right, that's so that's it. what I did until now, and that's why ClickFunnels were great. It's like, okay, go in here, find this training. We're going to meet on Thursday. We're going to go over it. Okay, so that's that's that. That's not what I'm doing. What's another version? Yeah, then there's also, um, there's essentially what we call open access, there's different names for it, but right. you can think open of it access, as self-study. Self yeah. Like basically you register and you just see all yeah. of the course material that you can browse through it at your own discretion. Mm -hmm. um, or it could be that you can register at any time, but the content is dripped out to you on a paced right. schedule. So like a five-day fitness challenge where you get a new mm -hmm. you know, exercise each day for five days. Okay. And then based uh, on that, I feel like every tool does all of those, though. 
Uh, some of these adults, you know, some have more or less support, particularly for the scheduled type course, a cohort-based course. Right. Um, there's kind of a lot that goes into that. So there's they're scheduling the release of lessons or modules um, mm -hmm. so that they become available on specific dates. Right. Um, there's also being able to schedule notifications and emails um, tied to that group schedule. Got it. So I've just used different platforms all linked together for that. Mm -hmm. uh, there's also like scheduling webinars. So something we do in Riziku is we provide a hub for all the scheduled webinars um, in the That's course. Cool. You can see all those uh, in a scheduled course as well. So like, yeah, they're like, I would say most products will probably support it to some degree. It's just there's a lot of little details to go into it. Got it. And then, so when something is self-paced, so open access, drip or not drip, what, what would be the pieces, asking for a friend, that someone might want to put in there to engage people more when they're not doing a cohort, when they're not doing weekly coaching sessions? Just, you know, asking for a friend. <laughs> well, I mean, there's a couple of things, right? So you want to think about the balance of synchronous and asynchronous learning and also the role of, of um, community and then also the role of like accountability and support. Mm -hmm. So on the synchronous versus asynchronous, those are just kind of fancy jargon words for, you know, real time versus over time or at your own pace. So mm -hmm. synchronous is, hey, we're going to have a webinar on Thursday at three o'clock Eastern. Right. Um, and you need to show up at that time to have the live experience there. Um, obviously, our benefits and cost of that, right? The benefits are it's now it's an appointment, right? You can put it on your calendar. It's something specific you can show up for. Right. One of the major challenges with pure self-study models is you can always put it off, right? I can always just do it tomorrow, do it tomorrow, do it tomorrow. And that's why you typically see less engagement at lower completion rates in, in that type of course model, because there's there's nothing forcing you, you know, to do it at a specific date and time. So Right. Adding synchronous elements can help with that. It, it's not necessarily a fit for every type of course or every type of business model, but it is one approach that can help. Right. I mean, yeah, something I we're also increasingly that. seeing is people um, scaling that synchronous element beyond like you as the instructor or facilitator always having to do it yourself, right? right? So having um, professional coaches to do it in some cases or in other cases, I've also seen people using peer mentors, right? So maybe someone who took your course last year yeah. Um, you invite them to be a peer mentor, you know, and host their own kind of small group um, session to help uh, people who are, you know, kind of one step behind where they are. Got it. So that's synchronous versus asynchronous. You can also think about the role of community, right? Mm -hmm. So um, trying to create an a, a online learning environment where people are not just, um, you know, passively consuming content or even passively consuming content and then actively doing exercises but also sharing their work with um, their peers and you know, creating kind of a, a social environment and a norm that you're not just doing this yourself, you're also encouraging other people and helping them asking questions and so on. I mean, building community online is not uh, trivial. You, know, you can't just put up a couple of questions and magically you have an engaged community. It, it takes work to get it started, to facilitate it, but it, that can be a, a very valuable way to transform a self-study experience into something much more meaningful. Okay. Um, and then the other aspect would be coaching and accountability, right? So again, fundamental challenge with any type of self-study model is you only feel accountable to yourself. And that's a very hard form of motivation for most people, 
only only a small percentage of people can just say like, oh, I have a goal to complete this course. I'm just going to get it done, you know, by next Friday, and I'm just going to, you know, <laughs> check check check, go through it all, and I'm never going to procrastinate or you know have anything slowing me down as I go through. Like most people are not like that. You need some more motivation than just I signed up for this course and I should do it. Um, so that accountability, some of it could potentially come from community. It could also come from direct support and coaching in the course where either, again, you as the facilitator um, or a, a hired um, coach is checking in on people's progress, right? You're, um, you know, even going to the extent of, of saying, hey, like, here's how far they've gotten after week one. And I'm going to send them an email, you know, checking in, uh, you know, nudging them to move forward. In some cases, you might give people the ability to schedule a call, right? If they progress a certain amount in the course or reach a certain milestone, they're actually able to speak, you know, um, with right. a coach. You can, so that can be customized to how you want to work with people. But there's there's definitely a big leap from, oh, I'm just doing this self-study on my own to, hey, I know that I have a coach that I can turn to when I get stuck. And there's someone who cares about my progress. You know, having right. someone that, that cares about your progress in the course is very significant. I like that a lot. Um, that's a piece. So that piece I hadn't thought of. All the other pieces, like we're going to have weekly and, and bi-monthly group calls and I've got peer support and we call it like study hall, you know, where I have like a previous graduates and then certified strategists and all that stuff. But I really like this where I can have members of my team check in on people's progress. And if we see people are getting stuck, have a personal outreach. Hey, looks like you got stuck here or you never even got started and you signed up a week ago. Um, is there anything we can do to support you and help you get started? You know, I, I really like that idea um, because part of, for me, and I think this is, I mean, I'd like to hope this is for every guide out there. I don't build things that people won't use. Kind of like what you were saying. I want to build it. So I've, I've done this teaching and training. I've done it one-on-one -on -one for well over a decade. We did it as group coaching um, synchronous programs for the last two and a half, almost three years now. And this is going to be the first time that I'm building it more asynchronous and, and I'm not willing to launch it until it makes sense to me that it's going to really work for the majority of people who will take it. When I say majority, I mean like 85%, like I had an 85% graduation rate for my other programs. I want to figure out how to get it at least above 80% for this one. And until I feel like I've gotten that, it's not going out. <laughs> so I like this piece. This adds a really nice layer. Thank you. Hey guys, thank you so much for listening to part one of this episode. Stay tuned for part two going live Thursday. And of course, subscribe. You do not want to miss this. You've been listening to the Business Breakthrough Podcast with SD Rand. If you're looking for a breakthrough in your business, reach out at sdrand.com slash breakthrough to be a guest on the show. Everyone's got a business struggle. What's yours?